All right, this is week two of Theology Thursdays. Um, and as I said last week, I want to take a little bit of time and look at the holiness of God and why is it the only attribute of his that's mentioned three times in a row. But before that, I, I wanted to clarify a couple of things. Um, one thing is that I, I want to say that I have no authority for myself and I don't want anyone to listen to me and to just take my word for what I'm saying. I want to open conversations and I want to encourage you as you listen to me to go to scriptures and to test what I'm saying because ultimately the most important thing is that you derive your own understanding of what scripture says because I might say something but me and my humanity I admit that I may be wrong. My goal is to be faithful and to cause other people to grow in their faith. I would love to see people listen to these videos or listen to the on Spotify or whatever wherever you're listening to it that you would not just walk away with these points that I make or that you might if you have an issue with what I'm saying that you would first go to scripture and that you would pray about it and I'm willing to have discussions about this this is um, something that I am passionate about and it's not theoretical to me, like these things I live according to. Another thing that I just wanted to clarify, last week when I said um, so-called Christians, I wasn't attempting to say that anyone who disagrees with me is not a Christian. That's not what I mean at all. I, I fully understand that there are brothers and sisters in Christ who may disagree with me. I was merely presenting the idea that I don't know whether someone is truly saved or not. And so I, I guess a better way I could have said it is professing believers. Because I think what we're seeing a lot today is those who call themselves Christians, after a while they become disillusioned with it and some of them live lives as though they haven't truly been transformed by the gospel, that their heart was never truly regenerated. Um, and so I can never assume that anyone who's watching these is a Christian because I trust and I hope but I can't 
see your heart. And so I, I, I did not intend for it to come across as if you don't agree with me, then you must not be a Christian. Or if you don't agree with me on a certain area that we should question your salvation. I, I wasn't implying that. And so I just wanted to make a, those couple of clarifications is that I don't have authority of myself. And some of the things are personal convictions I have. Like personally, I would choose not to use the Enneagram, but I'm not gonna condemn someone who does. I was just merely talking about my experience with a lot of people at Moody, that they were identifying themselves so much with the Enneagram that they were providing it as an excuse to sin. Like there's a section that says like the weaknesses, this is where I, this is my weakness. And so like, don't be alarmed by that. Or, um, and I did have like specific conversations with people where they were trying to say, oh, that's just who I am. Um, and so I, I had some concerns with that. And that's my experience at Moody. That's, I'm not speaking broadly or generally about the Enneagram. That is what I personally have experienced and had conversations about. And in regards to the Bible not being sufficient, I had a couple of people say that they don't like studying theology or that in order to be in the ministry, like as a youth pastor or other ministry areas that they didn't need to study theology. And I had some serious issues with that because we should always be growing in our maturity and our understanding of who God is, who we are in relationship to him and what is expected of us, what is his will as it is written in his word. And so I didn't want any misunderstanding about that. So I just wanted to take a little bit of time and clarify a couple of those things. Um, and so today I wanted to talk with you about one of my favorite um, theological topics regarding God. In the Bible, it says that God is holy. And we sing a lot of songs that talk about God's holiness. Holy, holy, holy is an ancient hymn that I love. And we're going to look at the passage that that song derives out of. But another one is, Holy is the Lord, God Almighty. Chris Tomlin wrote that one. Um, and there's many other songs that we sing that address the holiness of God. And we say it, we pray it, but I think a lot of times we miss a lot of what it means. So I'm going to actually use a couple of books that I have found very helpful and um, I haven't read them all, so I, I can't 100% recommend them, but I trust these authors as they were faithful ministers of the gospel and they studied the word and were faithful and 
their ministry. So this one here is called Concise Theology by J.I. Packer. Um, I've gained a lot of wisdom and insight from him and his interpretation of scripture. So he says that the word holy signifies everything about God that sets him apart from us, makes him an object of awe, adoration, and dread to us. It covers all aspects of his transcendent greatness and moral perfection, and thus is an attribute of all his attributes, pointing to the godness of God at every point. And so, a simple definition of holy. Holy means holy like as in as a whole other than so holy means holy other than what does that mean so for example guy packer here just said that it um it shows his transcendent greatness and moral perfection and so while we may um we may see certain attributes that are christ-like displayed by humans so for example we can see humans love we can see humans be kind we can see humans be slow to anger and yet all of those things are just brief glimpses of uh god who is all of those things as the standard so when we look at god he is the standard of love and so his love is holy it is far above our love our love has limitations his justice is holy that means that our our justice systems are broken that even when we desire for justice we are looking at justice through um we are looking at justice and a lot of times justice is we don't see it fully ex, 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 um, fully on display. And yet God is perfectly just. And he is holy. His, his kindness is holy. So we might be kind to one another, but when he shows us his kindness, it is unlike anything that we could ever show to each other. Um, so it means holy other than. So he is the standard of perfection. How do we know what true, unadulterated, unconditional love is? You look at God. I mean, Jesus Christ on the cross was the greatest example of unconditional love that 
he gave up his own, that God the Father gave up his own son, and that the son willingly went to the cross to die a death, to save those who were wretched, those who were enemies of God, those who were dead in their sin. He chose to show that kind of kindness and love. And our, our examples of those attributes have limitations, so we can't always be those things. We can display them at different times, but the thing about God is that he is always all of his attributes. And that's what this is getting at, is his holiness describes each and every one of his attributes that all of God's attributes are holy, that they are other than, that he is far above us. That was one of the mistakes that Adam and Eve fell into. One of their, the, the temptation of the devil was that they would be made like God. And they ate of the fruit because of that, because they were tempted with that. Um, so I just want to um, share with you a passage in Isaiah. Isaiah 6 is one of my favorite passages because it really gives a very realistic um, portrayal of what it would be like to come face to face with God. So Isaiah has this vision where he is in the great throne room and um, and these angels, there's these specific angels that are called the seraphim. And this other book that I'm going to mention here, The Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul, is a good little book. Um, he talks about these angels and explains that they they had a they had specific wings and they had a special pair of wings that would cover their faces in God's majestic presence and so even though the angel those angels were not sinful humans they were still creatures and were still having to cover their faces in God's presence and so here Isaiah is and um, the, the angels say to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And then Isaiah, after witnessing this, after seeing this, or in the middle of this vision, he said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And that's a very vivid response to what it would be like to see a vision of God himself, that even the angels were covering themselves, and yet here Isaiah says that he saw him. 
And why is this attribute, why is it repeated three times? I think we miss this a lot of times when you hear about it, when we sing the song, Holy, Holy, Holy. The beautiful thing about this, and this is not the only passage that that happens in. Um, in Revelation, it uses that. And here's what it, here's the significance of it. And it's, it's really a beautiful thing is that the, by repeating, it gives emphasis to the word. And so it would be like saying that God is holy, holier and holiest. There is none like him. That it says the earth is filled with his glory. And so even the earth reflects the glory of its creator in that we know that there is someone far greater than us, a creator who created everything and who created it all for his glory. I mean, there's, there's galaxies that we can't even get to. And the purpose of all of that is for his glory. And his holiness. So he is holy. So he's not, he's not like human. He's not like us. He's not just a little not like us. He's holy, holy. So he's holier. So he's not just holy, he's holier than us and other than, and then he's holy, 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 meaning that he is so far above us that we pale in comparison to him. Um, and yet we, we can, like I said, we can portray certain elements of his attributes, but we can never fully encapsulate all of his attributes. And that's just a beautiful thing to contemplate is that I am not good on my own. Like without God, I'm, I am unrighteous. And R.C. Sproul has this quote that I really like. He says, the human dilemma is this, God is holy and we are not. God is righteous and we are not. So when we, when we as sinners stand before our holy, holy, holy God, it becomes painfully aware how in need of him we are. And I've, I've said this a lot of times is that the very same reasons we have to fear God. So the fact that he is um, omnipotent, that he is omniscient, that he knows our deepest, darkest secrets, and that he is the one who he said, don't fear the one who can kill the body, fear the one who kills 
the soul like eternally like he is the judge and so he is omnipotent and so that's a, that's a fearful that's a it gives us a proper understanding of who God is in a reverent kind of way and yet at the same time the fact that he's omnipotent is the reason why we run to him when we have needs, when we have requests. And it's the reason that we surrender our lives to him because he is willing to change us and to mold us and to make him more like himself. See, I, I don't want to be a better Robert. I want to be more like Christ. Because the more I am like Christ, the more I get to reflect who he is. You see, we're, in some of those passages, when it talks about God's holiness, it says, I am holy, therefore you should be holy. Those who follow him, those who are his children, are called to a life of holiness. And it's a... It's, it's a it's a journey. I, I will say that I don't believe that we will ever attain perfect holiness in this life. But when it comes down to it in the end, we have a promise. And R.C. Sproul talks about this. Or actually it's J.I. Packer. He makes a really good point. Oh, no, it, it is R.C. Sproul. Sorry, I get confused sometimes. But he says that there is a future expectation. And in 1 John 3, 2, it says, We are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Think about those words. We shall see him as he is. And R.C. Sproul says, as he is in his pure divine essence. The fact that we get to spend eternity as followers of Christ with Jesus in his manifest, unveiled glory and get to see his perfect holiness on display i can't even begin to fathom that that's so encouraging and it gives hope for the future that while i might not attain perfect holiness in this lifetime i have assurance that i could never be righteous on my own and so what happens is that on the cross, Jesus not only forgave us of our sins, but gave us the right to be called sons of God. And so we stand not as condemned. Romans 8 says, for now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We don't stand condemned, but instead we stand with the blood of Christ that covers us. And we stand with white robes we've been 
made clean. So not only did he forgive us, he gave us his righteousness so that when God looks at us, he ch chooses not to look at the sin which should condemn us, but because we've been forgiven and that we are being sanctified on a daily basis, he, he honors that. That is a promise and assurance that we can have as Christians. And it, the word sanctify is interesting too because sanctum um, actually comes from, I think it's Latin, where that actually means holy. And so sanctification is the process of being made holy. So being made more like Christ, who is the holiest of holies. One other thing that I want to mention is the Old Testament understanding of holiness is it was not something to be played around with. It was a serious thing. It was something to revere God for. And so when you hear about the Holy of Holies, that was where God chose to manifest his presence. And there were strict regulations, as we see in some of those um, books, like in Leviticus and some of those books, there are strict regulations that the priest had to go, to go through in order to come into the Holy of Holies. And tradition holds is that the priest would actually have a rope tied around his ankle just in case he had not fully purified himself and went into God's presence that if he were to be struck down dead, that those on the outside would be able to pull out his body without going and defiling the holy of holies. And so that's, that gives a really clear picture of who God is. And the beautiful thing, and maybe I'll talk about this more later, the beautiful thing about God is that he is not only holy, but he is also personal and near. So God isn't just some transcendent being that is far from us, but he revealed himself to us through his word, and Jesus came to us, took on a took on flesh that was under the curse, though he was not sinful. He was under the curse of sin so that he might redeem it. And the so he perfectly fulfilled the law so that when we are called his children, when he when his blood washes over us, that it can that his fulfillment of the law and his death on the cross can be the cloak that we wear that our dirty, stained clothes will be replaced with white robes and that not anything that we could do, but what he has done for us. And it's because of that, that we are sanctified, that each and every day we strive to be more and more like Christ. And we ask him for his guidance so that we be made holy like he is holy. And sometimes that comes with a little bit of a cost. 
but it is so worth it because one day we will stand before God and the blood of Christ covers us and we will not be condemned if we are truly in him. And so there's a lot more that I could say about that and I realize this is a little bit longer of uh, talk this week, but it's one that I think is so important and I think when we talk about God's holiness, it needs to be addressed, like what it's actually referring to, what the original meaning was. And so we should always acknowledge who God is and who he revealed himself to be to us. Like that's the most important thing is that we, we derive what we know about God from scriptures. Like, we, we know that God exists through his creation and his invisible attributes are present. But if science tells us one thing and it contradicts what the Bible teaches, then we need to hold the Bible as the ultimate authority. Because one day science tells us one thing and the next it changes, but the, the truth of God's word has stood the test of time. It was originally inspired in the Greek and the Hebrew, and at, it was inspired as it was written down. And thank God that it has been preserved, that we can have it today in our own language. And maybe I'll talk about that sometime too, about how that works out, but God is holy. Like the fact that he is the standard that we have to look up to is, is an encouragement that we aren't hopeless. So I hope that something that I said today would be encouraging. And like I said, I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to investigate and look these things up in the scripture and study for yourself because I don't want you to take my word for it. These things are important because they are what Scripture says. And my goal is always to rely on Scripture as the ultimate authority because it is the inspired revelation of God. And so he revealed himself to us through his word. So that's week number two. Again, I know it's a little bit longer than I said it would usually be, but it's just such a topic that I'm so passionate about and I hope that it will lead you to awe and surrender and that you might gaze upon his holiness and give him thanks for his holiness because that's we should praise and give God the honor and the glory for all of his attributes. So, yep, that is what I have for you today. Blessings to all. And I, I enjoy doing this, but again, write me if you have any questions or if there was something that I said that you disagreed with. I'd love to answer those in like personal messages. I, I probably won't answer directly at like in the commenting session because that just creates I think not a great environment to answer or 
address certain things. I think one-on-one -on -one is easier and more efficient and effective, but that's just my personal preference. So again, Lord bless. Hope this was encouraging and may you grow in your understanding of the word and maturity and lean on the promises, lean on God's attributes because they are true and they are encouraging if you take the time to learn them and apply them in your lives. So love you guys. Peace out.